0: Gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Overlap. Rian and I once again spent, I think, Rion I think it's fair to say a majority of our weekends watching soccer again. Like, I, I know for a fact that I woke up on Saturday and I was like, I have five things to do. And I think 4.5 of those things were watch soccer, um, which, again, I'm not complaining. It was just, that's what I did anyway. But I think Rian did the same thing. Um, I, I unfortunately got dragged into watching the Manchester Derby Per Rian's advice, it was either that or any other La Liga game, and I had to watch that. So, needless. to say. It was a good was primer
1: it. before the Madrid derby. So, it, was...
0: it yeah, that's that's very true. That's very true. But Rian, how was your weekend, man? What did, what did you get up to outside of uh, outside? I of was soccer?
1: gonna say yeah, mostly the same as you. Uh, as it gets colder here um, on the East Coast, and as indoor dining is being shut down here in New York, and potentially a full shutdown of the city again unfortunately um there's less and less to do on the weekends and so it has to be filled my mornings and afternoons with soccer as if it wasn't before i guess but like yeah even more now so uh, if we could throw some more three o'clock games on that it would be perfect <laughs> over the for weekends yeah. yeah of course of course well you can um, still
0: go see your uh, bodega cats and you can still spend time with other Creatures yeah. that are human.
1: I guess. Yeah, I unfortunately haven't seen a bodega cat in a while, so maybe maybe they've also been put away for the winter. But probably keep them yeah. safe.
0: It's gonna it's gonna <laughs> snow too on what is it? yeah We're recording this on Monday. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, the 16th and 17th, I can see this is is
1: I didn't
2: want to interrupt <laughs> the intro. That was one of the first things that Miss Kaiser wanted me to ask you was what what is the Delaware Valley weather report right and are you going into storm mode because we need I know we're virtual but we need a snow day I know it doesn't even matter (laughs) I was was talking to uh to the head of school and to the head of upper school and I'm like I'm like we gotta get a snow day like I know I know we're all virtual now but still got to make it happen so tradition do do for now? tradition is oh, our how- snow days a thing now well i honestly i think the kids will revolt if we don't get <laughs> snow day like a day before break begins you know how- <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. yeah oh my god That's look so outside and see it snowing and then you know not give them that day off so so are we going into storm mode or what
0: we we definitely are. I I kid you not. I've spent like 6 out of my 8 hours during the work day fully looking at the weather for the last 3 days. That that was the other part of my weekend by the way, Rian. But um yeah, yeah no, many
1: people don't know Elias's former background at, oh. from from high school and middle school that he was a a, a meteorologist in training. A- at amateur. one point Amateur. I think is No, no. See, amateur. That's an insult
2: to you. Yeah. Let's let's put it all out there. Ryan. This is a guy who who studied under the renowned Hurricane oh, Schwartz yes. during his senior year. I mean, that's true.
1: Come on, Glenn man. Hurricane Schwartz, for those that's of you outside the Philadelphia and Southern Jersey tri-state area. If if they didn't know, now now
2: they
0: know. <laughs> you <Guys laughs> didn't know that I don't want you listening to the podcast, but that's a whole, whole other thing. Studied <laughs> under this guy,
2: learned everything <laughs> he knows. Now, granted, Hurricane Schwartz last year said that we were gonna get 20 inches of snow and we got zero, but
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a really bad winner. But I can I can confidently tell alleged. you that I in my personal opinion, I think Philly sees easily six inches of snow uh, Wednesday night. So I think I think you have something to look forward to. With <laughs> are, you, are you
2: texting Mr. Z right now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is all like six inches of snow. Boom! There it is. There we go. you go. You can you can hold deep. me to that. I think it's a good time to introduce our guest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right okay,
1: go ahead. No, go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> no, no. Today we've got on uh, second time appearance for uh, Mr. Z, our former soccer coach in high school, and still the coach of of uh, SCH Blue Devils. Welcome, Mrs. Olasky. How are you doing? Thank you,
2: Rian. Uh I'm doing well. Um, you know, just trying to hold it down uh, as best I can in these in these wild times. Um, but I'm excited to be to be back for appearance number two. Um, I believe my contract. Demands three appearances, so (laughs) (laughs) it's per episode too. Of course, it's not weekly. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm excited to be back talking talking footy with you guys. This is
1: great. That's great. Uh, I mean, before we before we start off with the um, looking ahead to Liverpool and Spurs, I had a quick question. How are you guys, the soccer team, the high school soccer team, is navigating through this? weird times because i i followed the twitter account and and when i was last home i saw i saw you guys in the in the uh mount airy newspaper and so, oh, really? yeah yeah i saw i saw um or maybe it was the girls i can't remember it was it was one of the two <laughs> but either hey, way g- girls are dominant
2: man the girls haven't lost uh a league game in two years so they're, yeah they're they're yeah. solid um so it was probably the girls but um no we so we ended up having um an abbreviated season. Um it turns out that the schools in 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 the league, uh us GA, Germantown Academy, Haverford School, um Episcopal Academy and Penn Charter all agreed to play an abbreviated season. Malvern Prep decided to go out on their own uh well before um well, before we decided the league decided on anything, so they didn't actually play any games, uh, against interact opponents. And I don't, I, to be honest, don't know how many games they played. Um, but without them, we had, um, an abbreviated season where we ended up having only five games. Um, you know, it was, awesome. it was a wild, wild preseason where like, you know, we, it was in August and for a while we were, We were, uh, only practicing with, uh, with like a ball per kid and everybody six feet apart. And then there was a point where we couldn't have any equipment. Um, and then like we went on a break and then we came back in the middle, late part of September. And then that's when we could finally have like limited contact. So it was wild trying to prepare for, um, for, for any games in that sort of atmosphere. Um, and the shame is, too, that we we won the league last year and we had a lot of seniors coming back. Um, you know, three, three out of our graduating four seniors are going to play at the next level. So, like, really good players, awesome. great kids. And you're like, you know, you just want to see them. They want to compete. You want to see them compete and take them through that. Um, so it was better than nothing. And they, like, honestly, the kids handled it, I think, better than, <laughs> a lot of parents and adults did um and we were able to get five games in and went 4-0-1 uh some good results uh beat Haverford which always feels
1: great Beat oh, yes. which
2: always feels great you know so <laughs>
1: now, now many of our listeners will understand how how that feeling actually is actually just great to beat Haverford but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so
2: but uh um, no it was it was a Wonderful to get something in because, you know, just knowing, you know, how limited everybody is and what they can and cannot do uh, to have anything was like really just um, really special. So, so yeah. And then hopefully, hopefully the other sports can, uh, the other seasons can get something
1: in at, at some point here. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. And I mean, so next, next season, Right. Hopefully, hopefully next season we'll see what happens with the vaccines. But hopefully next season will be a bit more normal. Yeah. Um at least with that, should we move on to the game of the week?
0: Yes, of course. You you almost made me forget what the game of the week was, but it's because it's actually coming up sooner than you know rather than later. Um, the one thing that I think you forgot to mention in the intro for our listeners again that you know. Mr. Zelaski here is a massive, massive Spurs fan. Oh, oh sorry, sorry, oh. At Liverpool, of course. How could <laughs> oh, I, nice. how could I mess that up? <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, please don't leave. But the um, what you can't see right now because we're recording this, you know, over a Zoom or WebEx. He has a massive Liverpool background up as his virtual background, and he has not like the Liverpool Manifesto. On... <laughs> actually, yeah, it's a Liverpool Manifesto, basically. That's um, right do you want to give maybe a brief synopsis of how long you've been a Liverpool fan before we go into this, this game preview?
2: Uh, It's been roughly, I would say roughly 15, 16 years. Yeah. Um, Good stuff. You know, I, I go back to, I think it's episode, whatever episode I was on previously. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was early so
1: on. Bad. If you want yeah. to go
2: the details. I, I give the origin story and then you guys, Tell me how much of a better story that is than, uh, than Andy much.
0: Is- yeah. Yes. <laughs> right, right. I, I very talk vividly remember that.
2: that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. But let, I mean, let's, let's talk about your team for a second, right? Let, let's talk about Liverpool. I mean, you've had a rash of injuries, a rash of, you know, COVID outbreaks throughout the team. You know, we've seen, New signings also come in in the whatever the quote unquote summer transfer window was. This team is in a very different place objectively from where it was at the end of last season. You know, even the middle of the COVID pandemic. So, what are some of I guess the main differences in the way that you've seen this team play from last season to now, and more specifically from after Virgil Van Dyke's injury?
2: Um. So the I think the identity of the team and the style of play has remained the same, um, even with the injuries. Um, you know, playing playing the four three three, having the outside backs get really far up the field, um, playing potentially probably more of a high line than they've played in the past. Interestingly enough, um, almost as though they took a, a page out of like Byron's playbook from the last couple of seasons. seasons. Um, but I think the identity of the team, like the style of play is is pretty much the same uh, regardless of who's been injured, which the list has been, you know, absurd. Um, and so, you know, Van Dyke, I, I had my I had my buddy remind me very quickly that you know Van Dyke was there for the seven two Aston Villa, so <laughs> you know in his absence, uh, you know, is it it's a big deal? But like you know, they they still allowed that game to happen. I think they were still trying to figure out the high line business. But that was a weird game too. Yeah, and, right? and like, that was, to be honest, you don't you don't negate the entirety of his impact over the last you know, two seasons, you know, you don't exactly. break it down to one game. Um, but that being said, he, his absence has been huge, but I think almost more important than that has been the inconsistency in center back. I mean, it was something like in the first 10 games, they had eight different combos in center back. And then you saw it again on, on um, Sunday where uh, Matip had an injury and then Hendo had to drop back into to center back. Um, hopefully, they said it was just back spasms. Uh, they they think he's going to be ready, uh, Joel Matip Met- for for Wednesday. But um, I think the the amount of combinations that they've had in the in the center back position has probably been almost had a greater impact than than losing Virgil uh, in these opening games. Because um, you can see that Fabinho has filled in amazingly well. Beautiful, yeah. Right. Um, um, You know, getting Mati back from injury, having Gomez out, uh, has been difficult and then slotting in a bunch of young guys. Um, yeah. So to be where they are, considering all of those uh, injuries, I think has been, um, like incredible. I I I think it only has only solidified how good of a manager and how good of a staff, uh, he has in Klopp and then, and then his, his first team staff, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable for them to be, you know, tied on points, just second on goal di-
1: with goal difference. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I think I've said in the, the past that some things that I've noticed maybe it's slightly different since post Van Dyke, but is kind of the pressures in the attacking third Liverpool and and I like kind of looked around and it's not just for Liverpool that those like presses in the other teams um third have gone down for every team it's gone down like as a whole in the Premier League it's been a 16% decrease in the in those type of in high presses really across the league as compared to last season and compared to two seasons ago it's like 13% down and that could be a lot of just this season is super condensed everyone's not being as aggressive potentially, but yeah. I love what you're saying. Like the the style and everything else about Liverpool exactly the same because their XG their shots per game, their passes into the final third, all those numbers are just about the same as last year through the first 11 games. So it's really amazing to me how much like a style and a real infrastructure in the team has been put in there for Liverpool. And now, Guys like last week we talked about Curtis Jones, who's 19 steps in, and there's basically been no drop off at all in that center mid position. And I uh, kind of leads me on to like an, a, another, a broader question of, you know, outside of those three guys uh, in Firmino, Salah, and Mane, and, and Jota has been amazing too. But outside of those attackers, who's impressed you the most? Um. So
2: I, I honestly think you know, you I know you want a field player, but I, I gotta say that I think it's Klopp and his assistant, uh, Pep Linders. The, those, I like that too. <laughs> everything, everything that you, you find and read about, about, um, how Klopp and, and his second, his right hand man, Pep, set up their training and the sort of man management with all the young guys, especially, um, everything you read is just how intense training is. And when there are injuries and they're slotting guys in, whether they're Academy guys or whomever, or like, you know uh, some of the summer uh, transfer window signings, you slide them in and that they have them ready to be in the game whenever their number is called. Um, So I think that for me, those two um, have been, you know, just so impressive, um, regardless of the, the letdown that they had, you know, uh, in the game on Sunday, um, which, you know, you're going to have seasons up and down like that. And, you know, did they set up entirely well? You know, what what was the, the reason for the, the slow start? I don't know. They um, have to go
1: to Fulham, too, right? Is that, yeah, yeah. I said that, that on Twitter, like, it's a completely different team than the one that they... Fielded against Arsenal on the first day, something like only one of Cavalera was the only one, guy. Four <laughs> it was the only yeah. guy who started on the first day. It's just a yeah. completely different
2: yeah. team. No, and they and they didn't and they didn't necessarily try to, uh, you know, play it. Um, they they obviously had a plan of attack of of attacking that the the center backs attacking behind. The wing backs and yeah. that space with uh,
1: who's a Lookman, Look, who's a yeah, Anthony Hupp. and Anthony Robinson, the American left back on yeah. the other side, who was great during that. I mean, he was he he shut down
2: Mo Salah yeah. big time. Um, no, yeah, he looked he looked really impressive. Trent Trent Alexander Arnold had no answer for him either. Um, but um, but yeah, so Klopp and Pep, I think, are like the two standouts for me. If I had to go, if I had to go player. Um, I mean, like I think Henderson's effect on the side is just so drastic. When he's not in the team, probably him or you know the pressure from coming from up top when Mane's not there, you, you see a huge drop off too. But I mean Henderson, his effect on this team as a as a captain and a leader um is just massive. Um so I, I think I think his his consistent leadership has been has been great. Um, Robertson's been pretty standout too. He's been playing like every single minute of every game, so killing it for Scotland too. Got the yeah, (laughs) Yeah. sure. So
0: yeah, I mean there there are a host of I think individuals that we can talk about for Liverpool, and I, I like your answer in in Jurgen Klopp as the standout because I think he has been the one seamlessly consistent. Part of this team in the last six six to eight weeks. And given everything that the team has gone through, I think that's extremely underrated. Like, I think it's very, very, very easy to overlook that. Um, But he's gotten essentially, I think the most impressive thing about this is he's gotten every individual, even the ones that have come in in the summer, to buy into his identity and buy into his style of play, right? I think Jota is like the prime example of that. Like, I think everyone knew that he was a good either second or backup striker at Wolves, but once he came to the Liverpool side, right, his, his positional play and his awareness was just at another level. And I think that does come down to man management. But with, I guess, kind of, I don't want to call it a limited squad going into the Spurs game. There has to be, like some sort of slightly different approach to a Mourinho Spurs side from, from Jurgen Klopp's men. This is, this is kind of a different, I guess, Rian and I call Mourinho Spurs very Machiavellian because we don't know how else to address them. And I I guess my question really is like, what do you think is the key to breaking down the Spurs side? I, I don't know what to make of Mourinho here.
2: I think bringing in uh, the team bus driver of Liverpool (laughs) to move the Mourinho bus that is just going to be parked in front of their goal (laughs) all game long. This is the frustrating thing to me about Mourinho. Is yeah, he is he is the most Machiavellian uh, manager like ever in the. Whatever he doesn't care about anything having to do with like I mean it, it's it can be admirable to a certain extent, but he doesn't care about anything regarding like possession or you know entertainment goals or what's that? Entertainment. entertainment? No, yeah, this is not this whole endeavor is not an entertainment business. It you know, um some would say, listen, sports are it's a TV show in the end, not for him. Not for him. <laughs> um so no, I mean what what is it gonna what's it gonna take? Um I think um I, I think they they can be exposed in the back. I, I, I don't think Dyer is a quality center back at all. I think if they can uh find opportunities for him to um uh, to be taken on by Mo Salah or or Mane in some way, uh, I think they can exploit him big time. Um, you know, the the big move by Mourinho in the off season to get Hoiberg, uh as that holding defensive midfielder. I mean, he such a dude, Mourinho think, player. Oh my yeah, gosh! Yes. I mean, Mourinho Mourinho changed the English game in a lot of ways when he brought in uh McAuley as the holding midfielder for for Chelsea back in the early two thousands. Um I guess other people would talk about like Vieira at at Arsenal, but like but Mac McAuley being that holding midfielder who would just break up
1: attacks. Yeah. And you know, I, I say wasn't very- asked to do the same things that Vieira was. <laughs> right? no, like no, no, <laughs> to not. do very different jobs. <laughs>
2: In one of the text messages that I sent out to my buddies, to a Spurs fan and and the other guy, um, bless his heart, is a Everton fan. He they I said Dyer is good to give up at least one penalty and to get his ankles broken by by Mosella. <laughs> and then the reply was, yeah, but Hoyberg is gonna just break the legs of whomever <laughs> whoever takes on Dyer. And it's true. I mean he's He's going to be one of the pieces to that, that's going to be tough to break down in um, uh, in that sort of defensive line of nine guys, and then um, you know um, who else?
1: Alderweireld. It's just it's it's interestingly. I mean, Maria doesn't allow you to get one on one with Dyer, and that's like <laughs> that's the hardest part,
2: right? So I think I think it's going to be a lot of it is going to be getting getting numbers forward and getting our midfielders out and wide to be able to draw draw some of those central defenders and those and those holding midfielders out from their block, right? Um, creating those you know those numerical advantages on the outside and then moving the ball quickly to 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 make sure to, that you can exploit that. Um, but you're right. I mean, a Mourinho team is well drilled in in playing those lines, playing those defensive blocks. And then as soon as they get it, Kane's gonna come a little bit deep. He's gonna get it. Turn if if you don't have somebody right on him. And Mm -hmm. then he just springs son, who is like, you know, just a track star at this point. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, uh, So that that does that does worry me. That concerns me, especially with you know, basically two reserve center backs playing and uh, outside backs that play so high that they can be exploited um on that counter. But I mean, like we said before, Klopp is not gonna change the way that he plays. Um and so so yeah, I mean it really is. It's a it's a game of contrasting styles
1: uh on Wednesday. Yeah, and the last thing that you want to happen is for <laughs> <laughs> Spurs to get the first goal. Right. Oh. Or I mean, that, yeah, I mean, that. Well, this past weekend, they got the first goal. They got the first goal against Crystal Palace, and then, like, in between the time they scored the first goal and Crystal Palace scored, Crystal Palace had eight shots in the penalty area versus Tottenham's two, and had more possession, and even just attempted more dribbles than Tottenham during that time, so. I I, I wish I could be surprised.
2: I wish I could be (laughs) surprised. I'm not. I'm not. And like so it's like that that's a that's a question that I have for any Spurs fan is like does it feel to sell your soul to the <laughs> devil you know what i mean like how, like how can you
1: uh, i guess as someone winning, as someone who who was so close to the devil myself yeah. who, 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 i know who was at the knees of the devil himself for, <laughs> for for all those years i mean oh you get we talked to our uh, our our friend Ethan who's a Spurs fan a couple of weeks ago and you know, it's just there's some kind of aura around it. It's like it happens and you're just yeah. like it's it's working and you're like it's you're a sicko. It's like it's like you just love seeing other it's, people. You're like a total sadist that once you're a fan, it's just like I just like seeing everyone get pissed that we win like this is like that is kind of the part of the uh, fandom, what half of your fandom becomes.
2: Yeah. You know, it's it's winning at all costs and, and yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know I've said before and I probably would be a huge fan of him because he's just so, he's so hateable. And to, to have him be on your side, it's like there's something, uh, yeah, something, some allure. <laughs> Damn, I don't know, but oh man. I'm happy to have Klopp, I'll say that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there there are other ways to, to for it to work, right? Yeah. Um, but I think from there, I we should probably talk a bit about predictions here. Uh, I, I I feel like we know we've, as we just talked about in the last couple of minutes, we know exactly how this game is going to go. Yeah, and that's there, kind there are of no
0: surprises with this game.
1: Nothing, nothing at all. Um, and so it scares me to even predict that there'll be more than two goals in this game. Um, Elias, I want to hear from you first. What's your your predictions on? on how you think Liverpool Spurs will go on Wednesday? So
0: I'm going to push back on what Mr. C said a little bit about exploiting the wings or Liverpool exploiting the wings. I think what Regulon and Aurier have done for Spurs defensively is a little bit underrated in some ways. And I don't think it's going to be as easy as pushing high up the pitch as you do on a, You know weekly basis um because i think what spurs are going to do is they're going to pull their their outside midfielders you know towards that outside channel and basically create a numerical advantage on the wings and close down as fast as they can and that's going to be the most interesting battle for me this entire game is who wins the battle out wide because in the middle it's going to be an absolute shit show i don't even want to watch it it's like it's my eyes will bleed (laughs) but on the outside i actually think it'll be really entertaining because I do think that Spurs fullbacks have, have done really well. So my prediction is that I'm going to go with 2-1 to Liverpool. So I think there are going to be more than two goals, um, mainly because I still think Liverpool have the attacking quality to get by You know, quicker on the wings. I think they're more technical um, in their abilities than basically every Spurs player outside of maybe Sun. Um, but I also don't want to underrate the fact that Liverpool are, essentially playing with two slightly inexperienced center backs. And that can be exploited in the same way that I think Spurs can be exploited in a lot of ways. So I'm going to go 2-1 Liverpool, um, but I'm watching that that full, full back slash byline battle more than anything
1: this um, is you want to go next uh, or actually we'll leave us leave the host we'll leave the guests for for the last <laughs> but pressure <laughs> <I want, laughs> because I just want to kind of add on to what Ellis was saying about like that kind of in the channels for tottenham how they're gonna defend that in the in the wide areas like the interesting thing is what they've been doing which uh read is very different to what Marino's done in the past where, yeah, a lot of the times he'll bring those wingers to the side and have them play on the way or basically play like auxiliary left and right back. Um, but what he's been doing with Tottenham is Sissoko and Hoiberg have been dropping into those channels in between the center backs and the fullbacks there. And that will be very interesting in the sense of there's more speed in Liverpool's wings. And, I mean, Sissoko's great athletically. Hoiberg, not so great, as, not as great as Chopey Sissoko that. athletically. Um, so, so, yeah, that, those channels will be really interesting. But, I don't know, at the end of the day, I just, I feel like this is a 1-1, one, one, a nil-nil. I, I just think he's going to make it ugly. And this is, again, as someone who sat by the side of the devil for years, <laughs> and knows exactly how every these, one of these games will go when he has the team that he wants, which he does right now. It's going to be ugly, and I think it'll be, at best, a 1-1 draw.
2: Do, do you, think, you think coming out of this game with a draw, Mourinho...
1: is definitely the happier of the of team. Of course. Is, right? Because he, his biggest thing is, I don't lose big games. Is is all he can... Is like, at the end of the season, he wants to be able to say... Yeah. I beat the team. I did not lose to the team that uh, ended up winning the league. Like, back in uh, the thirteen fourteen season for Chelsea, the the season that Liverpool Palmas won in, and whatever, then then the City won at the Thanks. end. We don't have to go too much into it. Um, but after the after the Gerard after the game, is still there. The, Carino Carino came.
2: the is still open. Thank you.
1: <laughs> After that Gerard game, Reno came out afterwards and was and said and was boasting about, oh well, no matter what, I didn't lose to the team that wins the title. So, right. and Chelsea ended up finishing third last season. So he's it's what he cares about at the end of the day. Yeah, and,
2: yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, and <clears throat> yeah, I think I hear what you're saying about the defensive center midfielder's being able to come back and maybe maybe counter the the numerical advantages on the outside I will say I I'll tell you another matchup that I that I love is Mane going up against Aurier (laughs) he the last time they they played he gave away a penalty to Mane late on too really late and um I don't think he can there aren't a lot of uh, backs in the league that can handle, well, yeah, that can handle Mane's pace uh, and quickness. Um, now, I mean, to be fair, he's—I think he's been off it a little bit uh, at the start of the season. Mane has, um, you know, Mo Mo has definitely been getting the goals and um, getting more of the. I think him and Jota have been getting more of the plaudits and whatnot. Um, but I, I do think. I do think that they have the quality um to break down any defense in the league. Uh and I do think they have the quality to break down this defense. Um this is not, you know, this is not a John Terry led backline. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is not let's not let's not confuse this with, you know,
1: some of uh itch, know, not itch. It's not, yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not
2: yeah, Ricardo exactly. no, no real, no real <laughs> Ferdinand walking. Through that floor. I'm sorry, Here's no real Ferdinand. So, um, uh, I do think that they can break them down. I am nervous about the counter. Um, they can't give something away early, uh, because if they do, then uh, it's going to be like Fulham, but they're not going to be, I don't know that they're going to be able to, uh, you know create as many chances as they ultimately ended up doing in basically 60 minutes. Yeah. Uh, they created like, like 15 or 16 chances and really only playing like two thirds of the game. Um, so I, I think, I do think though Liverpool is going to come out on top. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say two, one as well. Uh, I'm going to agree with Elias there two one. Um, I think the goals come from, Uh, Mo. And I think uh, Bobby Firmino gets on there uh, to keep his scoring streak at Anfield alive. This is at Anfield too. So, um, and unless they, unless anything like last minute changed, I mean, we are doing this on Monday. uh, They'll have 2000 fans there. Um, So I, I do think there's something to be said about that and creating that atmosphere and, to see Klopp do the do the fist pumps to the cop end, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that that means a lot uh, to that Anfield atmosphere, even if it's not the traditional one. Because um, that's the other thing. Let's remember, like if like they've won, knock yeah. on wood, they've won what sixty four, or they haven't lost yeah, in 64 games.
1: Yeah, they're they're, really. they're second. They're that second longest streak right now ever. Yeah.
2: No. But my friend would definitely tell me you know who has that number one spot yeah yeah
0: of course
1: that's yeah i think one last thing just i think i think this game will be henderson's deep passing has gotten a lot better so i think that's gonna that's gonna be something so important in this game and i'm hoping that this isn't a game that we look back on and say gosh if Thiago was actually healthy, I was thinking the this same was, thing. This is the perfect
2: game to have. Yes. It's the top yeah, no, This is the perfect game. This. this is the game that they bought him for. Now, yeah. Like, let's also play this hypothetical out. Liverpool completely healthy. Is this, I mean.
1: Oh, I game- said last week to help? Elias. I, I said last week to Elias if Van Dyke doesn't get injured. And let's say, Antio- and Tiago is, and Tiago is more, yeah, yeah, and Tiago they is heard more, heard. <laughs> and Tiago is, is more healthy, I think this Liverpool team more or less comfortably wins the league this season, with, with, at, just healthy as they are, as they were most of last season, and just because of what we've seen from Manchester City, and everyone else just being, off it in, so, in one way or another. The fact that yep. Liverpool have kept their levels, more or less, with all the injuries shows me that, yeah, they probably would have easily won the title this season, but that's well, so actually, hypothetical, that's, unfortunately. That's, <laughs> but, but, but if I wheels,
2: I'd be a bike, Rion. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <that's>,
0: <laughs> <laughs> gotta, live,
2: gotta live in the reality we're
1: dealt. With, so. I <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, I mean, there is, that kind of brings up a, an actual question, is Okay, this this will actually be the last question. But Mister Z, do you think that Liverpool will go on to win the league again? I think I think that's a fair question to ask at this point in the season. Um,
2: yeah, I, I mean, I want to believe it. I, you know, I I hope. I mean, they they've positioned themselves uh, to be, you know, in the running for the rest of the season. Obviously, with where they are, based on all the injuries. I think it really honestly depends on how many guys they can get back and when they get them back. Two, how many guys they can keep healthy over the busy holiday period. And then three, really depending on where they are um, come February and March when Champions League starts up again. Yeah. Like, you know, if I'm Klopp and over the holiday period, the league gets away from me a little bit. I mean, do I, do I then put all efforts and focus on the champions league and making sure you go as far as you can in that competition? Um, If the league gets away from you a little bit and you're still dealing with like rotate, rotating players in and out and, uh, and possible injuries and stuff like that. I, you know, I think, I think maybe you do shift your focus a little bit. That said, Klopp's personality. I mean, he, I mean, a criticism that I have of him is the the midweek game against Mitchell, where there's nothing, nothing, yeah, who are already first in the group. And that's where Jota gets injured and is out six to eight weeks. You know what I mean? Like, you play the kids at that point. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to play them for play Jota for like a half or whatever, I mean, he always has. They always have risk of getting injured, but I don't know that just seems that seems like why are you pushing it for a game that really absolutely means nothing and has no bearing on any of the seating or anything like that um so you know he's not infallible, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i mean do I, do i do I think they'll win the league? I hope so uh if I were a betting man and I'm not. Um, but if I were, I would not be putting money on it. I'll say that. But that—that's uh, also coming coming off of the end of a season where they they ended a 30 year drought. I'm content, man. Yeah,
0: you'd be fine at that. <laughs> I'm yeah, not, I'm not a greedy person. <laughs> I'm not a greedy person. Hey, we all we all want our little share of something. So
1: <laughs> that's right. I, yeah. yeah, and I think and I, I, just so my last thing. I think even with the injuries, uh, unless there's a massive injury to one of the front three guys of, of Firmino, Sala or Mane, I think even with everything, you'll be close to it in February or March, because I just don't think the league's going to get away. I don't see how the league gets away from anyone for the next month or so, especially during this period. But do you think so? Just just because of- I, I just don't think anyone will get it. Will, I'd be so surprised if someone wins the league. In a, in April this year, like like as it has been the last, or uh, well not two seasons ago, but as it has been as it was last year, yeah, you know. yeah, and the year before the uh,
2: the two years before that, two yeah. years before, yeah, yeah, it's certainly nobody. I think it.
1: many teams will have a chance, but coming in February, I think there will probably be three or four teams that really feel like they can go for it.
2: Yeah, I'm. I, I got to be honest, I'm surprised. Uh, like, I'm surprised. Chelsea hasn't been more consistent do you think it's because yeah.
1: of all the new guys that they brought in and stuff or yeah what? I think and I think we'll get on to this when we talk about our the Chelsea game later but like I agree with you I I think it's the beginning of the beginning of the season a lot of guys still coming in they didn't have, really play all of their get to play most of their new signings until maybe about a month and a half ago and that's when the run of like seven or eight unbeaten games happened and then or they were on a 17 game unbeaten run and then they lose this weekend to everton because they lose Pulisic who just we've got to find a way to keep him healthy yeah. i don't know how we do it i don't know how i don't know how as a national team fan too it's very concerning for america's, america's sake right yeah <laughs> yeah um, but didn't have him or any of their other wingers. They miss Z H. they had they played Havertz as a right wing and he's the center mid and it's i I think the team has to have just about everyone in it. Has to have those guys in it for it to work and yeah. Uh, I think the margins are pretty thin at this moment. But you know. You gotta we'll force, I think I think we'll be around I think I also think we'll be in and around it in January or February, March, but I don't think we'll win it. Their, their defense, man. I mean, you got to be happy about that, the changes they made to their defense. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's amazing what happens. I said this before. It's what happens when a keeper comes in that the back line just trusts. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, yeah, totally. and, and also, like, a Tiago Silva comes in who's just, like, a, an actual uh, – I've seen someone – one of my friends is saying this weekend like a father figure. For- yeah. <laughs> I was like, That's very disrespectful, but yeah, kind of. Um for, for the rest of the back line. Like he's a legit
2: he's like the a consummate pro. I mean, he yeah. he knows exactly what he's doing and he's not gonna like overextend himself. And clearly uh for him to build the relationship uh that he's built with um with the rest of that back line that quickly. It t- tells you a lot about how much they trust him, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there'll be there'll be a few teams, and and I suspect that if Aguero comes back healthy, that Man will get back into it a little bit too. If, but uh, ultimately, yeah, that's a big if too, because uh, I mean, Aguero he's, do, he's doing one, a great job on but... Twitch though. That's his he's, he's that's to yeah. do <laughs> 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 Well, <laughs> Mr. Z, thank you again. As always, thank you, gentlemen, we've got it. We've hopefully we can have you on before the season ends and maybe maybe around Champions League time or something like that. But that that would be wonderful. I thank you for inviting me
2: on. I'm, I'm proud of you guys. This is wonderful. I was bragging about you to some of the other teachers I saw in school today. Uh, oh, oh i love that and they're like they're like oh they're doing a podcast so i'm like i think they have other jobs i think they have <laughs> they're like, this is it's, it's a good thing it's, it's do a good job. hobby i'm like yeah dude i'm like they got like 85 shows right
1: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. That's we're nice. go, we're pushing 100 we're, we'll be yeah. yeah i think we'll reach we'll reach 100 sometime in the next That's couple
2: nice. of months so oh i love it all right I'm gonna go tell Ms. Kaiser that we have a snow day storm machine, <laughs> or you know, storm mode is on, and we're it's, gonna. It's on, in.
0: and you should look for for Owen to be home on Thursday.
2: Let's go six inches. <laughs> All
0: right, <laughs> made my, you made my year. Well done. <laughs> that Thank was pretty you. easy, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: 2020, man. Low, bars exactly. this year, Low yeah. bar. Low <laughs> bar. Uh,
0: appreciate it, was... Mr. Z. Have a good See you one. Guys. C. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Overlap. Again, we are talking a little bit about the rest of the Premier League games that happened this past weekend. Uh, for some reason, we have to start with just... It, it's just sad. It's just sad. That's that's where we have to, to start things back up. Um, of course, we're talking about Arsenal. What, like what other team are we talking about? Like Fulham look better than Arsenal right now. Um, but Ryan, we're talking a little Arsenal-Burnley... Of course, Aubameyang, I mean, props to him getting on the score sheet, um, of course, in <laughs> the wrong direction. Um, but he Finally, got on the
1: Finally, That was finished.
0: Be- beautifully finished, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I
1: mean, God, like, now that's disgusting. <laughs> we don't need to pile on top of Arsenal fans right now.
0: <laughs> okay, we don't, but I think we should because in large part, my – my life as a barcelona fan is crumbling so i need a um, a way of getting this out essentially an exit if you will um and this is my only exit so rian where where are arsenal i it's the same it's the same thing it's just the same thing week in week out and i don't think it's an arteta problem but it's something's clearly not working
1: no it's um it's four losses in the last five games in the premier league it's a loss in each of the last four home Premier League games. They haven't scored more than one goal since October 4th versus a 20th place, Sheffield United. And they haven't recorded a single game XG of greater than two the entire season. So, oh yeah.
0: God. I didn't even know statistically <laughs> that bad. Like, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. Thomas Partey must be thinking right now, just shit. <laughs> <It's laughs> He's getting like, paid much better, he, though, right? Cool. <laughs> you're winning nothing. He could have potentially won the league at Atletico. But, I mean, where do, like, I don't even want to get into how Arsenal fixed this because I think we covered that a lot last week. But, like, where do Arsenal go from there here? Like, if there's one change that you think Arteta can actually have control over what like, what does that change? Because I don't think anything is going to make it astronomically better, which is required.
1: No, and it's I think there is nothing that Mikel Arteta can do right now. There's nothing you can do. I. You see what happened during the weekend where Xhaka just again, loses his mind. Um, and it's just like a year ago. He was yelling fuck off to the fans as he was substituted off. So at this point, I thought he was going to leave the club when that happened last year. And he's still on the, he's still the captain. Or sorry, not the captain. He's still one of the vice captains and he's starting every game. And so, I mean, Arsenal as a club have no one to blame but themselves for something like what happened this weekend with Granit Xhaka. But also, like, back to like Artetic. There's like this this thing was referenced in uh, Soku in the numbers game and they, and they talk about you know with managers like there's like this obsession with managers being able to fix everything by themselves and like they, they relate it to like great man theory of history which basically just a theory about like the idea that like prominent individuals can cause like historical change just from like their, you know, just by being them, you know, to be like examples like Churchill or Napoleon, whatever. But it's not possible in in reality. Like even that theory has been completely discredited. <laughs> like so, it, Mikel Arteta can't change this. He One guy isn't going to change this. So you, you asked what's one thing he can he can do to to help this He there's nothing there's no one thing and and potentially there's no one thing or one mm, one uh plan towards the uh, like tactics or getting a bunch of players in in january or whatever even that stuff probably doesn't change anything because we've talked about the problems of arsenal have way more to do with everything going on above the coach so for arsenal I mean, it's it's nothing i really feel like this season can't really be salvaged and yep no i think that's uh, fair. yeah yeah i think it's somewhat similar to like chelsea's season after they won the title with meridio this next season where they were like in relegation zone in december and then he gets, yeah. like, getting fired and like, once once they were down there that and granted, um, it's only twelve games for Arsenal, but their next few games are not favorable. Okay, so are you way. saying that there's
0: there is a non-zero chance that this side gets relegated?
1: I think there's a zero percent chance this side gets relegated. I should I should say this we we shouldn't have real conversations conversations about them being relegated. That's just not going to happen. There are at least three to four teams. That are down there at the bottom that I that I think could all get relegated themselves, and to <laughs> so just do a worse job than Arsenal for them. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and yeah, exact that, and just like <laughs> like legitimately like teams that are like championship level. Uh, so it's no Arsenal. There's no reason to ever think to think that they're going to be anywhere in a real relegation battle in, in like February or March or something. But for Mikel Arteta's case there is a non-zero chance I guess that they will be in the relegation zone sometime in this month so they play they play Southampton this Wednesday they play Everton after that they play Chelsea on Boxing Day and then um, they play Brighton after that who while Brighton are down in 16th Brighton have actually played very well against the bigger clubs and have had times when they probably should have gotten more than more points than they uh, actually end up getting from the results
0: Especially against City, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, no, they haven't played Brian. They, 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 I don't know if they have played City. Actually, don't remember if they have. But either way, like in Arsenal's Arsenal's January doesn't look great either. They, but it's um, yeah. I think there's a non-zero chance that they're that they're in the relegation zone at some point during this month. And if not there, then potentially within like two or three points. They're only five points off of it right now. True. It's more like what's the breaking point for them? Uh, it feels like McElletter is going to get unjustifiably when you look at. Yeah. Well, I don't know about unjustifiably, but like let's just say unfairly, no, no, no. unfairly, uh, yes, kind of scapegoated for a problem that in the end there was no chance any first year coach could have ever made this right with you know what we've seen happen in a transfer policy way, way and. Can say, you know, he wanted William and he wanted some of these guys. So throw some blame there. But outside of that, I don't think any first year coach could have, first time coach could have ever, could have like fixed any of this. So I mean,
0: I mean, Arteta was basically given dead wood from the beginning. So what are you, what are you going to do with dead wood? Yeah. Like he was set up to fail, essentially. He was set up to fail. It's not, I don't think it's a problem with him. I think. He needs to go to another club where he is set up for success and works very well with a, a board and a management, uh, sporting director that works basically hand in hand. And he's not getting that at Arsenal. He won't. He won't ever get that at Arsenal. By the way, I think mean, that's an important point. It's not like that's going to change down the line. Like yeah. he, he's not ever going to get that unless something drastic changes.
1: As long as the club structure is what it is, it's not. Yep. That's what Ellis and I are saying. Like as long as, as long as the the structure of the club is what it is. Ultimately, it's not changing from below. Like Arsene Wenger was really keeping this, was, was had the club literally on his back for for, for two decades. And um, yeah, we're seeing the, the aftermath of all this. But uh, Elias, shall we move know. on to a game that we really want to pretend never happened?
0: No, no. We're, I, I kind of <laughs> want to skip over it. Like <laughs> Rian, of course, is talking about the Manchester derby. Um, I, I was saying, I think on our part of the podcast earlier with when Mr. Zelaski was on, I I had the choice between watching the match Manchester Derby and another game in La Liga, which I honestly won't even mention because I'm wasting time at this point, just talking about any part of the Manchester Derby that's related to it. But I had the two options, you know, because we were going to talk about on the pod I was like, obviously I'm going to watch Manchester Derby. Um, yeah, that was a horrible 90 minute nap like every part of that game was so there were zero shots on goal for the entire second half until the 90th minute what kind of game is that i've seen worse games played in high school like or sorry better <laughs> games played in high school oh my god that like i um this was a it was this was like a back and forth in the midfield that like made my neck hurt that's all. It yeah, was. Like, yeah. it was it was genuinely awful.
1: Yeah, I, you know I'm not gonna criticize Manchester United for making that game awful at all because surprise, surprise, like <laughs> they sat back and we're gonna just counter because that's the only thing that they actually, that that they have been coached to do really. Um, more on the Manchester City side, it's like you watched that game. And you're like, this looks like Manchester City. The colors, the players, the coach, everything looks, this is definitely Manchester City, but it doesn't feel like any of the Manchester Manchester City teams from the last four years. Because, comparing... because this
0: team forgot how to shoot, Rian. It's not yeah. like – that's literally yeah. – we are having a different conversation if Riyad Mahrez puts that chance away. We are having a completely right. different conversation. They, yeah. Like, Gabriel Jesus also had a sitter – I think it was off across cross from the, the right-hand side. Like
1: – There was a moment in that game. I, I remember turning to uh, my roommate, Peter, and Gabriel Jesus gets the ball and a great pass into him, and he's like on the six – he decided to take a dribble like to his left and turn around and pass it back to De Bruyne who was like who was in like by the six and just instead of shooting himself <laughs> he turned around turned away from the, took the ball away from goal and passed it back so
0: i mean that encapsulates it right there. <laughs> really like,
1: i mean that's <laughs> the difference between him and Agüero you can see that too um but between or through 11 games last season compared to this season, last season they had 34 goals in the first 11 games. This season they have 17. Last season they were averaging almost 20 shots a game. They're at 15 right now. They, on the flip side, conceding in terms of non-penalty expected goals allowed, it was 12.15 last year. This year it's, 8.15 8.15 which is first in the Premier League so again this looks like Manchester City but there's been a definite change in how is how the team plays in particular games like this you saw he started Fernandinho and Rodri in the middle of, of in the center of the park so it's like um you know, I'm, I'm reading this book about like the history of of like humans and it is like this time where the humans, human species, has like six different species that were in Africa and then around like Middle East and whatever. All humans, but all slightly different in their own way. And I feel like we're just seeing, we're seeing like the Homo erectus of Manchester City this season, or we're, or almost like the Neanderthals. I think we're we're seeing like the Neanderthal versions of what was the Homo sapiens of the last two years, or. Two to three years of Manchester City before this one, and this just feels like, yeah, that's them. But this is like a different version.
0: It's it's the first off. That's the name of the podcast, by the way. Neanderthals and Homo erectus. That's what the name of this podcast. <laughs> Second off, you're basically saying that they've transgressed backwards. Like it's like if they've gone from in a like no way, eight, <laughs> like like the human.
1: But the Neanderthals know. were very strong, dude. Very strong, <laughs> very strong base, very massive braids. <laughs> yes, but right. they not were they were not as creative. evolved.
0: Yes, and that's <laughs> to this weird ass analogy. That's what Pep admires the most about his players is that level of intelligence. So, yeah, I, I don't know where you're going with the analogy, and I'll let you no, run. That with was it. it. That was <laughs> it. okay. All right, you're done. Okay, <laughs> but I I kind of see what you're saying, but with the added caveat that I think they're almost going backwards in some ways. But the the one thing that strikes me the most is. Pep's, like, marriage to Gabriel Jesus, like, even after the game, like, if he was today or late yesterday, he came out and he said, you know, I love Gabriel Jesus, like, I see what he does in training, like, he knows he can shoot, like, he can score, whatever. And I'm like, okay, but, but (laughs) we are seeing something different. And I don't know what it is that Gabriel Jesus, when he's in a shooting position looks fragile. Like, that's the best word I think that I can come up with. He just looks almost scared to shoot. Like, he doesn't have the confidence almost. And I feel like that's been going on for, like, a year and a half. But anyway, I'll I'll leave it at that. Manchester derby was terrible. Just, I, I
1: do you Pablo, have any takeaways? Pablo played well in, in some. in some No, he didn't. I thought well, did, he played, did we watch the same game? He got disperse well, the he, second half. Yeah, maybe this is just, maybe this is just. Fuck, this is how Pogba ends up getting valued so high. Because I watch <laughs> it and he has like a few really nice long passes. He and, does. Uh, he does. I'll give you that. and I'm like, ah, oh, he looks good. And yeah, but uh don't forget yeah. Mino too. That's a big part yeah. of it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, yeah. Let's <laughs> let's get away from this. Thing. <laughs> once once we start with Mino, it's 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 all not hair time familiar. last week.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Well, let's let's talk about another game that's, I mean, at least has more of a storyline to it. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately for you, um, Chelsea Everton. What happened in this game? Well, I mean, honestly, I, I don't, I don't think that either team almost deserved to win. <laughs> no, no,
1: I yeah, I think you're not. Well, look, actually, I'll start with this. Everton deserves to. Deserve to win purely on the fact that they made fewer individual mistakes than Chelsea did. Ultimately, that's what lost the game for Chelsea: is Mendy getting a little rush of blood to the head and and taking out Calvert-Lewin, um, <laughs> pretty unnecessarily. Calvert-Lewin does a great job to win the header, and then and then his touch is purely away from the goal, and, and Mendy gets a little excited and not and just bundles him over and uh and that's what leads to a penalty and it was honestly like watching the game somewhere around the seventieth minute I was just like yeah this is probably gonna end one and, 0 and, and full credit to Everton because they defensively played very well and and they you know they they made it a bit of a shithouse game and and as they are fully within their rights to do and as you know, a team that has been struggling a bit and and really haven't have only won outside of the Chelsea game. They'd only won one game since drawing against Liverpool um, a couple months ago. So this is a this was kind of a game they needed, I think, confidence wise to win. And on the Chelsea side, they didn't have uh, Christian Pulisic or Callum Hudson-Odoi or Hakim Ziyech. And so they were desperately lacking width, and they played, as I said earlier, um, when we were talking to Mr. Z, that Havertz was out wide, and it's just that coupled with something that we we haven't spoken a lot about is both I think Havertz and Paul Pogba, uh, guys who recovered from COVID, and Havertz before he before the COVID thing, it looked like he was actually just starting to get comfortable. And he's come back and he looks laggy and pretty leggy on the ball at times and um
0: laggy and leggy that's
1: yeah. nice yeah 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 he's you're, like you're brained in a lag and then yeah. he just looks leggy <laughs> but no I think the kind of thing is it's something that we uh um i was it's not spoken about a lot and I'm not trying to give him an excuse because I just think he would be further in his adaptation to the league by now if if it weren't for the for uh, getting COVID, but yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty simple for Chelsea that without Hakim Ziyech, they lose a lot of a lot of um, creativity against teams that are going to play deep blocks. And I think it's as simple as that sometimes.
0: No, I agree. I mean, I said this when Ziyech was signed earlier in the year, and I'll say it again. He is, I think, the best signing Chelsea could have made, right? They needed width after Pedro left, after Willian left. They needed someone to extend the the pitch horizontally and also vertically, right? Like, Pedro and Willian were good at coming inside off the wing. Mm-hmm. Great. That does nothing for you but clog the middle of the field, which objectively Chelsea don't need more of. But getting to the byline, creating, you know, width vertically by taking your man one-on-one, taking their man on one-on-one, but also having the vision to to cut inside
1: yeah, when those, those crosses from that those crosses that we saw from the from those like four games from ZH. Yeah. Not a single cross with the left foot from the right side to the back exactly. post has been made in the games that he's not there. And so well, of it's, course not. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I, I think this is in the grand scheme of things, a minor setback. For Chelsea because they have been playing well. They have been relatively consistent barring individual mistakes like they have not had that many other than this one. I think let's just wait and see what the next couple of weeks for Chelsea have. They play a couple big games, I would say, in the next yeah. four weeks.
1: Wolves and tomorrow.
0: Wolves. Yep. Starting off with Wolves. Um, and I believe they play one of the Manchester's in, in the next four weeks, right?
1: Yes, they. I think they should be. Um, they, I
0: forget which one it is, but wh- either way, it would be Manchester City.
1: City. City. Yeah, they yeah, play they go. they play City this month as well. So,
0: yep, there you go. So, again, big games for Chelsea coming up. Um, I, I think Frank Lampard and the Chelsea squad still have a lot to hang their head high on. Like, it's not. I think this is the complete opposite of some of the other results that we've seen for you know, say your Arsenal's of the world or. You know, even I would say your Wolves or Leicester's of the world too. Like it's, you, you still have a lot of upside, and there's no reason to think that Chelsea not going to win the league. Uh, okay,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think we've learned what it, what it'll take. We need all the wingers to be injured. <laughs> if they're all injured at the same time, it's going to be very tough for us to uh, to create. Use right. if we're playing a four three three. Right, so facts, facts. and maybe you could say that if Pulisic is not able to play tomorrow, it'll be interesting to see what the formation is for Chelsea. They play Wolves this Tuesday. Um, yeah, I think that's that's it for the Chelsea Everton game. From around the rest of the league, though, saw Leeds unfortunately lose again this week. They Sad. lost to West Ham.
0: They have they have been on a poor run.
1: Yeah, it's. And for them, I think it's fairly simple, too. They still create a, a lot of chances. They don't have enough talented finishers. It They just don't. Um, I mean, Bamford's done well. He gets they in a good. Won.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. Bamford's, <laughs> done,
1: no, Bamford's done well. He gets into very good areas. And and look, the Aston Villa game, he was amazing. He, he, yeah. he, he scored goals that he's yes. not scored at any other point during the season. Right. So... He gets into great positions, and that's why his xG is always really high. Um, and he's finishing those most of those easy chances. But it, it ultimately, like they, not just him, but from their midfielders too. They, their midfielders get into great positions, and they're just not good enough finishers. And add on top of that, that at the back they're individually not very good defenders either. Um, so, and you throw. The third layer of that is how they play and they're always exposing their back line. Um, they have to finish way more chances than they have been. And that's that's how they keep themselves from dropping too many points. Right? And I don't think that we have to worry about them in, in a relegation sense. Um, but, yeah, they, they they need to finish their chances. Um, outside of that, though. Leicester and Southampton are just lurking in that top (laughs) four. They're in third and fourth right now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I agree. I think Southampton is one of those sides that have, I don't want to say snuck up on us, because I think we've talked about how well Hassan Huddle has set up this team. But I think they've snuck up on, on us in a sense that, like, oh, they're actually close to the top six at the table. It's not like we're just. Talking about them being close, like they are actively pursuing a top six spot. So I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Southampton finish in the top six. My only concern for a team like Southampton, and partially for Leicester, but a little less so, would be how much can they keep this up in February, in March? Can can that consistency you know still be present? I don't, I don't know if I'm confident enough in, yet in this side for me to say that that's the case.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if you look at like, their some of the underlying numbers like a lot of their goals have come via James Ward Prowse free kicks, not, not just him scoring, although he scored a few great free kicks, but also for, like his set piece deliveries in general and, and his corner kicks. Um, and yeah, if he stays healthy, then that is something that they can reliably count on. So I'm not going to say like it's something that's unsustainable, but if the player's still there, it's, it'll keep those good returns or uh, good crosses and free kicks will keep coming. But an injury to him would be really tough for them. I thought that an injury to Danny Ings was going to be very tough for them, but they, they covered that really well. And that, again, give it to Roth Halsenhudl, great coaching, uh, similar to Klopp. This team's playing style doesn't change at all with injuries, and it's everyone knows exactly how to play, and everyone's very well aware of, you know, uh, positions of their teammates on the field and every and all the things that come with having a consistent style. Uh, so they, they didn't drop a beat at all when Danny Ings was out, and now he's just returned, and you can only expect that they'll still keep doing well. And I think you're right; they they've got to be they've got to be in a shout for um, a top six spot and uh and who knows maybe even like a deep run in in one of the uh the FA Cup or the League Cup like they're well primed for it but um for Leicester though like you said they on the other hand are getting guys back who are injured
0: <laughs> indeedy <clears throat> yes yeah indeedy <laughs> I think
1: I think it was his first game that he started in the league since since in his, uh in a very long while in
0: a very long time yeah
1: since I, I don't potentially know before the covid <laughs> outbreak um yeah but,
0: wow wow
1: yeah cuz he I got injured he got injured either very early into the restart or right before, before it or like right before it but there's he an, had an ankle injury. that's a big gap that's like yeah. between
0: the end of football and the start of football <laughs> that is like it's like 2 months <laughs>
1: yeah so they so they just got him back this weekend as they beat they beat up brighton 3-0 and you get a chance to see the third goal from James Madison. It was just, just unreal. Um, they got him back. Ricardo Pereira will be coming back in the next couple of weeks. Um, so Chu who was their best defender last year, is all, will be back. Uh, I think also in by Christmas or by the end of the year. And Castagna, uh, who is the guy they signed from Atalanta this year, uh, right back. Also coming back, um, I think, next week. So they're getting healthy. and. They, they play really, really well this season. They've played really, really well, um, and continued really on from on from last season, or at least the beginning of how last season was going. And if they avoid the injuries that they had in the second half of last year, they're they only finished four points outside of the top four last year. So, I mean that they'll be right around it, I think, for most of this season if they keep. If their guys stay healthy, they'll be very much going to like the, the last month with a really good chance to um yeah to be in the top four.
0: Yeah, and I was gonna say I don't think they're going away anytime soon. And also, um, please only refer to him as Lord Farquad. Thank you very much.
1: Um, <laughs> so, yes. um
0: But in large part because of him, I don't think they're going, you know, far away at all. Um, this is still a very very solid side. And shout out again to Brendan Rogers for doing Everything that he can with the squad like i think he's taken the squad very far in somewhat limited limited capacity with the COVID pandemic signings et cetera and not being able to necessarily add maybe everything that he wanted after a lot of injuries quite frankly to this to the squad he's kept them relatively afloat and again oh yeah anything anything that's consistent in this season with the pandemic is yeah. just impressive so have to point that out.
1: Well, yeah, and yeah, like I said, I think they'll be they'll be around for the rest of the season. Especially if like, they lost so Well and they've very done a really good job of um shoring up that left back spot. I think James, I think it's James Justin is the is yep. the left back. Um yeah, great. I mean, that's another win for just great recruitment too, by the way. And so, you know, it's good times for Brendan Rodgers and <laughs> and who knows? I mean, he we could be talking a year from now, and he's the Arsenal manager. Oh, it's my pure speculation, God. But, like, but honestly, it, it could, that could be the case a year from now.
0: Remember at the beginning when you were like, oh, I don't want to go into any more pain for the Arsenal fans that are listening here? <laughs> Brendan Rodgers! No, 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 no. Not, <laughs> in, not in the context <laughs> that Brendan Rodgers would be a bad coach for them, but in the context of... Having to go through a whole process of firing a manager and hiring yeah. back, getting excited, and then obviously seeing him fail, and then yeah, that would be that would be a whole thing. But anyway, <laughs> well, Ryan, I think that gets to all the games that we had. Um, anything else that I missed, unless unless I completely forgetting something?
1: No, I think that's it. Um, it's, it's a big week in England. You know, games on Tuesday and Thursday Tuesday and Wednesday, and I think Thursday mm-hmm. too this week. So. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, yeah.
0: Yeah, Champions League is gone until February. Um, oh, we, we will talk about those draws. Um, yes. Oh, my
1: goodness. But
0: yeah, as always, thank you guys for listening. And Mr. Z, as always, thank you for jumping on. We will be back soon again talking a little Champions League as well in, in another podcast, in La Liga, et cetera. Um, we'll bring you all the good stuff. But thank you guys for listening. Take care.
1: Thanks, guys.